0: Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We have been in this chapter for a couple of weeks. There's so much here. So much to come. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to pick up in verse 32 because it's too much to read. Uh, We want to get to verse 37 today. And continue on from there. Remember again that in the previous chapter, remember Jesus loses all of his, you know, those additional disciples besides his 12. Remember that he turns to them. <laughs> he says, you want to go too? <laughs> you know? And they say, no, we want to stay with you. <laughs> you know, you have the words of life. And so Following that in chapter 7, it's six months later. Remember again, it, it talked about that he was going around preaching with his disciples. We, we saw that word meant that. It's now the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, the brothers say, look, why don't you go repair some of the damage you've done, basically. <laughs> go there and do some stuff, do some miracles. And, you know, maybe they'll sort of change their mind and come back to you. And, but remember that they didn't believe in him it said in the verse that his brothers did not believe in him. All right, So they were just kind of, it wasn't from a genuine place that they were saying to do this. And he said, no, I'm not going, <laughs> not, not at this time. And so remember, he waited for the opportune time to go, and we're going to see why today. We might only get through three verses, but they are dynamite, okay? This is what it was all leading up to. Why did he wait? Well, we're going to see today why he waited. All right and so in the middle of the feast he turns up and he begins preaching. Now very something very interesting happens. All the people see him preaching and then they're thinking how come the Pharisees hasn't tossed him out? He's saying some pretty outrageous things and they're letting him preach. Normally anybody gets out of line and they're tossed out. How come he's allowed to do this? And so remember the 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 Pharisees start to hear the murmurs of the people, saying, "Maybe this is the one we've been waiting for." And they go ahead, Sid, "We got to send some guards to, you know, we, we need to deal with this, but not in a way that is going to take away from the, you know, from the celebrations." They're mad, but at the same time, they're also priests, you know. <laughs> okay, and so they tell the guards, "Wait for the opportune time and then take him. We don't want a ruckus." Okay? And so remember I said that the gods go and they're standing there waiting, but then they listen. Now we won't cover that today, but something is going to happen while they listen. You can't stand around Jesus and listen and not get anything. Whoever has ears to hear, Jesus said, Let him hear. The Pharisees had ears, but they did not want to hear. And so they all they want to do was oppose him, regardless of what they said. You know, it's one of those, it's like those people that if they don't like you, it doesn't matter what you say, everything to them has kind of some alternate motive or some hidden message, or you could say, I love you, and go, why? (laughs) Well, what do you want? You know, It's just like they're just always looking for the fault. And the Pharisees had got to that place where they weren't being led by God at all. Well, not God with a capital G. It was a God, but it was a liturgy. And Jesus is going to identify that in the next chapter in verse 44. And so, anyway, you know, we've got this situation where they're getting nervous about what's going on. The gods are hanging around listening to Jesus. And we're going to continue on. And now let me just read these few verses now to take us to where we need to get to today. And so it says again that the Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring. All right, uh, these things concerning him, is he the Christ? Okay. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Verse 30, where is it? verse 33? Oh, there it is. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me, verse 34, and, and not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. Verse 35, that was a very sad statement. Remember again, because they're going to need him. And because of their rejection rejection of him, they're not going to be able to go to where he's going. Mm-hmm. This is sad. You know, again, it 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 all ties back into what he will say in verse 44 of the next chapter, that you overfather the devil. There's no way they're getting to heaven that way. Amen? Yep. All right. And then they were saying, then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go? That, that we shall not find him, does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the and teach the Greeks? Is they're thinking that he's going on a preaching tour just to get out of their hair? All right, it was nothing like that. Verse 36, he says, what is this thing that he said, you will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? Now, let's go to verse 37. On the last day, so we've gone from there, we've changed, the scene has changed. <laughs> All right? On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, <clears throat> there are two things you need to know about what's going on in the Feast of Tabernacles at this stage. Remember, it was notice again it says on that last day, all right? On the last day. First, during the desert wanderings of the Feast of Tabern- that the Feast of Tabernacles portrayed, Moses smote the rock, and out of it came an abundance of water for the people. Okay, so they portrayed this. See, that's the reason why God was so upset with Moses the second time he said to speak to the rock and he struck it a second time. Do you know why he was so upset with that? Because everything that Moses was doing was a type and a shadow of what was to come. He was to strike the rock once to show that Jesus would die once for everybody's sin, not twice. Did you get that? And Because he struck it twice, it took away from what God was trying to say. We need to be careful when God tells us to do something. It may have eternal consequences. Amen? Yeah, but we did it that way before. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's called tradition and religion. Don't do stuff like that. Amen? All right. So that was a representation of Christ who would be smitten and who would die for the sins of the world. Second, now please follow me on this one, okay? Okay. R. Kent Hughes explains, it was the final day of the feast, the day the priests would again come to the temple, now with water representing salvation, the new birth, okay, from the pool of Siloam. Followed by the great throng chanting their uh, yeah, chanting their psalms and waving their festive palm branches. They were, which were actually willow and myrtle twigs tied with palm, okay, just so you know. They would come in through the water gate. Isn't it interesting? So they're bringing water through the water gate. Okay, this is all representation of the new birth. The trumpets would sound again. But this time the priest would circle the altar seven times in succession, just like at the walls of Jericho. And when he came around for the sixth time, watch this, he would be joined by another priest carrying the wine, representing the spirit. Isn't this beautiful? Huh? Okay, all right. They would ascend up the ramp to the altar. there, there, there would be a pause as the priest raised his pitcher. The crowd would begin to shout to the priest, "Hold it higher," and he would try to do so. OK. <laughs> OK, Are you getting this? See the excitement? This is what's going on, okay? It was considered to be the height of joy in an Israelite's life if he or she could see the water being poured onto the altar. Okay? It was in that hush. So, okay. And at that dramatic moment that Jesus acted, and it says again in verse 37, that he stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Do you get it? They're waiting for the priest to pour, and he yells out this. Notice he said, he cried out, he didn't whisper. He drew all of their attention and said, that water is me. Amen. You are waiting for this. It's here. Everything that you're doing is happening right now. The fulfillment of it is here. Uh, Let me read my commentaries. Okay, <laughs> accordingly, Carson, is this exciting? Oh, is it just me? Oh, never mind. Okay, I'll just be excited all by myself. All right, so <laughs> I think this is tremendous, the visuals. Okay, D.A. Carson writes, Jesus' pronouncement is clear. He is the fulfillment of all that the Feast of Tabernacles anticipated. Remember, they're waiting for the Messiah, and he's there. Hallelujah. If Isaiah could invite the thirsty to drink from the waters, now this is found in Isaiah 55.1, where Isaiah said, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. Jesus now announces that he is the one who can provide the water. Did you get that? Isaiah says, Come to the water. Jesus says, I'm it. Hallelujah. So it was one of the greatest moments of the Lord's life with William Macdonald saying he invited them to come to him for spiritual satisfaction. Now he continues, he says, pay particular attention to the words. His invitation was extended to anyone, that's all of us. Amen. His gospel was a universal gospel. It wasn't just for one, you know, people say, well, that's just this gospel or that gospel. It wasn't. It was a universal gospel. Everybody needed this. Okay. There was no one who could not be saved if he or she would simply come to Christ. But notice the condition. The scripture says, if anyone thirsts. Thirst here speaks of spiritual need. Unless a person knows he or she is a sinner, he will never want to be saved. Unless he realizes he is lost, he will never desire to be found. The Savior invited the thirsting soul to come to him. Did you get that? See, this is what the problem with the Pharisees were. They were not thirsty. They were not hungry. Hmm? He says that the Savior again invited the thirsting soul to come to him. I like what he says next. Not to the church. Not to the preacher, not to the waters of baptism, or the Lord's table. Jesus said, let him or her come to me. No one or nothing else will do. Amen? Amen. And so Jesus goes on to say, verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has has said... Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, something incredible happens. When you come to him, not only do you receive the water of salvation, the new birth, but something happens inside of you after that. Out of you starts coming rivers of living water. What's this about? I'll tell you in just a minute. The scripture explains itself, okay? But I have to give you a quote first. Leon Morris says, The meaning of our passage appears to be that when anyone comes to believe in Jesus, that believer not only quenches his or her thirst, but receives such an abundant supply that veritable rivers flow out of him or her. uh, This stresses the outgoing nature of the Spirit-filled life. And that's brought it in the next verse. And he says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, there's a couple of things we need to check out here or look at here a little bit closely. First, with regard to the phrase, the Holy Spirit was not yet given. D.A. Carson writes, of course, John cannot possibly mean the spirit was not yet in existence or operative existence. In, in the prophets. John himself has already spoken of the Spirit's operation upon and in Jesus himself. Remember again in John chapter 1, verse 32. This is where John the Baptist, remember we've got two Johns, okay? <laughs> Alright. Where John the Baptist says, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. Remember that? So we know the Spirit is there, okay? What the evangelist means is that the Spirit of the dawning kingdom comes as the result. Okay, so indeed the entailment of the Son's completed work and up to that point the Holy Spirit was not in the full Christian sense of the term given. All right, so what, what that means is if we go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, we see what this is talking about. The Spirit was there, but it hadn't come upon everyone. There, we, we weren't living a Spirit-filled life back then. All right, and that's why in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, you know they were all filled with the Spirit. This is when it happened, all right, and it says, Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. We speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives us utterance, but we speak. But that's a whole nother thing. All right, next it says, Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, one, see, a lot of times when you read this particular part, I notice most of the commentators, well not most, there are some commentators that sort of say, oh well this was on the cross. Jesus wasn't glorified on the cross. Remember he talked about he despised the shame. It was a shameful time. He was paying for our sins. You know know why? Because people can't get it through their little head that something happened after it. When you look in the Old Testament, there were two goats, two goats, two goats. Okay, <laughs> one was killed and the other one was let out in the wilderness. It was, it was talking about two prices need to be paid. And so there was a physical death, but then there's something else happened after that that needed to happen in order for us to be redeemed from our sin. Remember the body and the blood. Two things had to happen. Are you all here? And so because of that, Uh, Where was I? Yes, (laughs) because of that, we need to understand that this glorification isn't talking about that. This glorification is talking about... Go to Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to show you something. Hallelujah. Somebody let me know how I'm going time-wise as well. The person isn't there. Okay. Matthew chapter 17... I need you to see this. This is all to do with what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Okay, And I need you to understand why he's inviting people to himself, because he is God. And we see a picture of this in Matthew chapter 17, where it says in verses 1 through 3, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them uh, to them talking with him. That's who we worship. That's who we saying, come to me. Are you all with me? See, that's why, you know, these people that say Jesus was a really good guy. He wasn't. He was God. He was God from the beginning. That's why John starts with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Are you all with me? That's, that's God showing <laughs> in, this, in this time, in this place. He's just kind to of, I could just imagine Peter going, whoa, what just happened? Where's my Ray-Bans? You know, those are sunglasses. Okay, <laughs> okay. you know? I mean, he, he, he shone like the sun. And notice it says, his face shone like the sun. That's pretty powerful. That was the S O N and the S U N. Amen. And they were both shining that day. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, so we get a glimpse of his glory, or, or the glory that John was making reference to here. Besides this, Let's go forward in the Gospel of John just a little bit, in John chapter 17, verses 4 and 5. Because I want to share this with you today. I want to, I want, you know, I want to leave you on a high. Okay. I want to leave you with something that really blesses you. All right. John chapter 17, verse 4, it talks about this as well. See, because otherwise people talk about, oh, Jesus was glorified on the cross, and yada yada yada. And you're thinking, boy, it's just depressing. You know, my God, my God, why has He forsaken me? This is glory? No. This is a price being paid. This was horrific. There's no glory in this. However, Jesus speaks here and He says, I have glorified you on earth, talking about the Father, okay? I have finished the work which you have uh, given me to do. We'll get to these verses, okay, John chapter 17, you know what I'm saying? Verse 5, it says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, listen, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Do you see that? That is the glory that John is talking about. He's going to go back to the same glory he had before all of this started. Hallelujah. And that's why John says he was not yet... Glorified, You know, if Jesus just died, we're in trouble. He needed to come back from the dead, conquer death, conquer hell. And then he would, in fact, he would say in Revelation 118, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and hell. Boy, he conquered the whole lot. He said, they don't have nothing over you anymore. That's why he said, now you go in my name. Amen? In his name, because he and his name are one. See, that's the reason why I keep saying this, you know, when he when talks about, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. And I say, in my name, they will. I, I repeat that because it needs to be repeated. Because that's the whole... That's That central bit is where everything hinges on. The signs will follow those who believe in his name. In other words, those who believe in him. And then in his name, because of what he did, you'll be able to do all these things. You get this? Mm. Okay. Now... <laughs> So what happened? What happened, you know, when, when Jesus prayed this? Well, let's go to Revelation very quickly. Because, you know, that tells us the other end of all of this. <laughs> okay? So <laughs> said, oh, brother, I don't want to read Revelation. It, it scares me. Get past those bits and read some more. Okay? Verse, we win. We win. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Verse seventeen. <laughs> all right. It says, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Verse 14 Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Didn't Jesus say, I live forever? you see? This is the glory that was, he was heading back to. Amen? And so, you know, when he's saying, come to me, all who thirst, he is inviting all of us to come to him. Do you know that, you know, people say, well, God is jealous God, and he won't share his glory with anybody. Who's heard that one? Okay, all right. I'll take in the spirit, you've heard it. Well, I want to crush that today. Can we go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 16? Because I want to show you, we'll finish here. I know it's gone really quick, hasn't it? Okay. But I need you to see this and I need you to receive this. Okay, today. Romans chapter 8 verse 16, because in light of everything you've learned now. Sometimes we read scripture and we don't know what all we're reading. Today I really want you to get the fullness of what we're reading. Okay. And it says here, the Apostle Paul says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, first thing. Praise God. That, that's, you know, that, that is a wonderful revelation to get. That really blessed me when I got that revelation that I am a child of God. The Spirit bears, okay? Notice again it says that it says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Notice not with our head, Hello, because your head will go, well, I don't know. They just say, shut up. Today, you need to be quiet. We're not listening to you. When we're crossing the road and we see cars, we'll listen to you. <laughs> okay? But when it comes to spiritual matters, you need to hush now. Because the Spirit needs to take precedence. It knows things you don't know, it receives things that you can't receive. Amen. And we haven't finished. And it says, verse 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah! When he said he had not yet been glorified, the apostle John is looking forward to the time we're all going to be glorified with him. Amen! Amen! Are you sure that's what it means? Yeah, you know, let's go to 1 uh, John chapter 3. I don't have it in my notes. 1 John chapter 3, let's look at verses 1 and 2 very quickly. And we'll finish with that verse. Okay. <laughs> I need you to see something. Quickly, quickly. This is why I print all my notes. <laughs> Notice it says here, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Verse 2, Beloved, now are we children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah! For we shall see him as he is. There's something about us seeing Jesus. And that recognition changes everything about us. Because that's who is Lord. That's whose life we've been living. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's his life. It's his glory. We see that and we recognize it and it changes us. And if we can do it now, it will change us now. Because the Apostle Paul says he's coming for a glorious church. One without spot or blemish. Amen? The more we see him, the more we become like him. Hallelujah. As he is now. Not the little guy, you know, with bare feet carrying sheep around. But the one that's seated in heavenly places. Hallelujah. The right hand of God in all of his glory. That which they saw on that mountain that day. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to stop there. I know it's only three verses. But there were good three verses. Jesus Jesus says, anybody thirsts, come to him. You know, whatever you need in your life right now, go to him. He has all your answers. The Apostle Paul said, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And I thank you, Father, for this tremendous gospel that we're going through. An amazing revelation that we are receiving. That these are not just words on a page. These are realities that if we receive, them, they will begin to work in our life. And they will change not only us, but everything around us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these incredible promises. And we thank you, Jesus, for dying and making it all available to us. We do come to you. You are the water of life. And we thank you for that. That we never thirst in this life or the next. In Jesus' name, in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen.